back, pulls up the three, boom, knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three, puts it in. For overtime, makes it go. Welcome back to the MVP cast from me, Mark Woods. Yes, we're back from our summer break for a new series of the podcast, just in time for the start of a new campaign in the British Basketball League, which is where we'll shine our focus in this edition. Now, it's been quite the summer indeed. The BBL back to 10 teams with Worcester's withdrawal, the Raiders morphing into the Patriots, the unexpected but very welcome arrival of Dan Clark into Manchester, Leicester and Newcastle looking strong again. But once more... The most interesting story in the capital, Lunderland spending big again, out of the Basketball Champions League at the first stage, the FIBA Europe Cup though still beckons, but behind the scenes, possibly the most intriguing signing of the off-season was a general manager for the club, Brett Berman arriving off the back of NBA G League experience of late with the Memphis Grizzlies organisation, but with a remit to turn Lions into a major force at home and abroad. Now he's presently in Florida due to the arrival of his first child, but I spoke to him about just why he wanted to trade America for Europe and pitch for this job. First is anytime you get offered to run a team and be a general manager, you know, it's something where it's it's hard to say no to in any in any facet. Like basketball is a small industry, even though there's you know hundreds of teams overseas and hundred so teams in the States, it's just, they don't keep growing. So there's, there's never going to be a situation where it's getting into a different profession where you can just move to another city and, and work into an occupation field and decide, okay, I want to jump in and do this. Being in this basketball industry, it's, you know, jobs are scarce and teams are scarce in a sense of what's considered a good opportunity, what's considered something that has legs underneath it, what's something that has promise, what's something that has upside. And for me, this was a complete no-brainer. First thing I said is uh, these jobs don't just come open every single day. So anytime you can get an opportunity where, okay, I get to put my imprint and be in charge and run a team, that's the first box, that's a no-brainer second aspect is does it does it have growth does it have potential does it have legs underneath it and this team 100 percent, it's got it's got everything you look for when you take on a job and when you take on a position you know we have great ownership good coaching good resources great personnel with between the, the staff the people I get to work with every day, working with Vince, you know, he's a great resource and someone that I've been able to learn from more than anything. So it's you know, the bones are all there, the the pieces are all in place, and from a team and from an organization, it's only going up. It's it's not going it's not going down, not going backwards. So I was I was excited. I was you know rejuvenated and and really, really fortunate to be put in this position to, to take over and run this team. What, I mean, what's the pitch though, when you're, you know, you're talking to ownership and about coming in? I mean, obviously you've, you've kind of looked 
from the outside of what this this is and the opportunities and what they're looking for but you know what did you say this is this is what i'd like to bring to this party well i think the first thing is i've been pretty fortunate i've been this business is 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 opportunity and luck i was i was i've been lucky enough to to have worked and been around very successful very good coaches very good management and my whole pitch is i'm going to take I, I can't be someone I'm not. I can't be these Hall of Famers that I've worked with. But what I can be is, is the best version of myself and take things that I've learned from each and every one of them and infuse it and bring it into the London Lions. And you know, I, I've been at the highest level of college basketball, You know, been with teams that have produced NBA draft picks. I, mean, I don't know what the exact number is, but I think like on the college front, I've been with teams that have had somewhere new. 10 to 12 NBA guys who have come through the pipe, you know, come through the, the team and coaching in the NBA and being on the scouting side in the NBA. I've, I've seen both sides of it. So it's not so much like when you're running a team, can you put together a roster? There, there's more components to it. You have to put together a culture. You have to put together an organization. You have to put together a team. And there, there's two sides. There's there's the, the players and there's everybody else. And Having been on the floor for 13, 14 years, whatever it was, coaching at that level, I've been able to to touch and develop and be with the players and, and see kind of where their head's at, where their mindset's at, at, at the highest level, at, at a lower level, at a growth level or a development level. So I know how they think. I know how the coaches think. But then I've also been on the front office side and the scouting. So I've been trained to see how do you build a team. Coaching said you want to win now, win now, win now. You're not too much worried and absorbed about the future. You're worried about controlling your players, controlling how they can help you win the game. Scouting side, you're looking at the big picture. You're looking five years down the line, ten years down the line from a franchise standpoint. So I've been able to wear both hats and I see it. I see the short-term goals, I see the long-term goals, and I've been able to to see exactly how the players think, how the coaches need to think, how the front office, how the management needs to think with the players. Being on both sides of the fence here, and that's kind of, I wouldn't call it like my pitch, but it's just my reality. I've been I've been fortunate enough to, to play on, on both teams, and you really need both teams to work in a partnership in order for everything to, to, to get to where you need to go to. So that's kind of like I said, it's not really the pitch, but it's just been my my forte, my niche of, of, of how I essentially bridge the gap and, and play on, on both sides of the fence here. I mean, you look at Lions, and obviously superficially, major capital city, owners with good funds, decent arena. But you've, you know, you've come in, you've got your feet under the table, you've looked around, you've done your due diligence before arriving, and how you see it on the ground. What's the honest assessment? I mean, where's, I mean, it's the strengths and weaknesses analysis, but you know, where's, where's good? Where needs to be better? I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to, to one big thing, and it's the European field, if you want to call it that, the European bubble, the FIBA, the Euro League, the Euro Cup, the Basketball Champions League, that's considered, you know, the highest regard in the international competition, and we're striving to get there. We're striving to be a, 
be a factor and to be a player. And those teams need to look at us and view us as a real threat. And I think right now what we're saying is everybody looks at London and it's one of the best cities in the world, hands down. Everything about it checks all the boxes. But from a basketball standpoint, it has yet to cross that threshold where it's been considered a realistic, viable player in the European market. And as a strength and a weakness, that's 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 where we stand. You know, our weaknesses, we haven't been threat. We haven't had a sustainable success in Europe. So these teams don't really look at us right now as as a team that's that's maintained that level of of competition and the level of of competing yet because there's been no track record. We haven't we're we're new to it. We're not we're we're, we're jumping in you know, full head of steam right now. And, you know, and to be twofold, that's also kind of our strength is that we have the resources, we have the backing behind us, that people in London, people in the UK are itching and dying for a team in the BBO, a team to call their own in the European competition. Like, imagine if we have success at that European level and now people will start to get behind us and start to get excited about competing in the FIBA Cup, hopefully competing in basketball champions league, hopefully competing at that highest level. And that's the strength because like the first the first question I said is right now with the infrastructure and the resources and what our goal is, what our mission is, what our five year plan is, the ten year plan, is to only go up. This isn't a a one and done situation. This is something that's built for the long haul and that's that's kind of our strength in it. So you know, once we get there and we have the backing of the city of London, we have the UK behind us as this real player in European basketball, it's just gonna be a it's gonna be a, a, a tornado in a positive sense of of kind of the backing and support and, and, and the brand identity that, that we're hoping to build. Within that five ten year plan of seven seven seven, you mentioned Euroleague. I mean, is EuroLeague in that plan? It's a significant multi-million cost, but is that within the plan that ownership envisages? Well, that's that's something where it's, you know, right now we're focused. I mentioned a five and ten year plan. The five and ten year plan is to be successful. It's to win and be a player in Europe. Now, there's no actual set designation on okay, we have to be in EuroLeague or we have to do this. In the basketball world right now, the EuroLeague is, you know, considered the, the top European competition based on however you want to call it. You know, there's no there's no set standard, but you know, it's that's just that's just how it's viewed and and you know, we wanna be at the top, we wanna to be successful, we we wanna build this thing for the long haul. So as far as longevity and plans there's no set set barrier saying we have to be here, we have to be in this league. Right now we're focused on winning. Unfortunately, we didn't make the Basketball Champions League. And we're playing in the FIBA Cup, and our goal is to win in the FIBA Cup. If that means we're in the FIBA Cup for X amount of years or we're in a different league, we're in it to win. And we're trying to be a player. We're trying to be a formidable player. We're trying to be competitive, trying to get to a point where our 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 homegrown guys are in a situation where 
competing in European competition for the first time is nothing new to them. It's something where they can raise their game to that level where they feel they belong. So the five, the 10 year plan to answer your question, there's no actual, okay, if we don't hit this barrier, we failed. We want to be a player in Europe. We want to have success in the BBL. We want to have success in, in European competition that we want want everyone from whether it's in Russia to Lithuania to Denmark to Hungary to Spain to Italy to France we want them to all consider us a threat and consider us one of their own in the whole European basketball industry you mentioned Vince and learning from Vince since you're a huge factor in this club's development for so long and in building it up, etc. But there has been question marks from former players about coaching and whether a change would be needed eventually to bring this club to a higher level within European basketball. Will that be an evaluation process? I mean, how do you how do you look at that part of this equation right now? So I look at it from this lens. I've mentioned this before is that, you know, anytime that somebody from outside of the bubble and the bubble, meaning the team, the organization, fans, competitors, anybody, you can only, you can only listen to it, but you can't put any energy into it. And being in coaching, this is where I put you know, from my previous background, that's where I put my coaching hat on is if you're not in the locker room, if you're not in practice, if you're not in the film sessions, if you're not there every day, if you don't have a pulse on what is going on, if you don't touch the players, be around, then it's one of those situations where you just have to to just treat it as, okay, you know, I... I I can't put much thought or time and energy into this because my goal is the team, the team, the team. And that's the same with coaches, management, players. So we're all in this bubble together and everything outside of that bubble doesn't really hold weight. So to answer your question, like I said, I've, I've been fortunate enough to jump into this job head first and learn from Vincent. Vince is a great coach. He's such a, a vital piece in British basketball, in the London Lions, in everything to where we've gotten to this point. I've been grateful and fortunate to, to have jumped into this job and had him as a partner. And where we go and where we compete and how we play as a basketball club, you know, we're all in. Everything that we do is, is about everybody in that bubble. And if the outside noise, the outside distraction, it's not a London Lions thing. It happens everywhere. And every team, whether you're in Europe, the NBA, college, and I've mentioned this, is we sign up for this job knowing that we're going to get criticized, knowing that people aren't going to be happy with what we do. I'm sure there's a ton of people who probably think that I'm not doing a good job and, and I don't know what I'm doing, and, and that's fine because that comes with it. I, I signed up for it. So we all enter this profession knowing that we're going to take heat, knowing that we're going to take criticism, knowing that people aren't going to be happy with us. And that's something that 
you know, we develop thick skin and we learn how to deal with and we just still show up every day to work and do our job and our goal is to win games. And if you're not in that bubble, it doesn't help you win games. You learn to, to just let it come in one ear and not the other. And that's just, that's my mindset. I know that's been our, our mindset as an organization. We're focused on us. We're focused on everybody who's part of our bubble, who's, who's in it, who's, who's there with us on an everyday basis and not really worried about, you know, what, what else might be out there. PBL season about to start. Obviously we talked about Europe. What's it, what's the, uh, what's the mission? What's the acceptable return on this campaign? Oh man, you're, you're setting me up for failure with that one because anything, <laughs> anything that's not, uh, you know, if I come out here and I say, well, we got to win the whole thing. We got to win the trophy. We got to win the cup. We got to go undefeated. We don't want to lose any games. Then you can just circle back on this in a couple of months and hold me accountable. So look, at the end of the day, it's more about we're in it to win. We want to win every game. We want to win every piece of hardware that's out there. We didn't win last year. I left a sour taste in guys' mouth and, we want to make sure that we come back and win. We know there's tough competition. This league has been historically won by, you know, a few clubs. They've had a strong hold on winning the title, and our goal is to, to knock them off and be champions. But I'm not going to come out here and say it's a, it's a disappointing year if we don't win X amount of games or if we don't win X amount of trophies. Everybody, everybody enters this league. Everybody signs up. Everybody puts a team together with one goal to win. Nobody enters it to say we just want to, we just want to show up and and not look, you know, not look bad. So our, you know, our job is is to go out there and win. We want to win as much as we can. But uh, I'm not gonna come out and, and put a put a number on it because I I know that's just kind of setting me up for uh, <laughs> for, for a lose for a lose lose. Brett Berman, they're certainly hoping for a win. Win, I'm sure, very boy by lines. Tremendous win on Thursday in qualifying for Euro Cup women, a 30-point victory in their first leg over Gran Canaria, which is just really terrific to see. Now, if you want to read a longer interview with Brett, head to mvp247.com and sign up for the post-up or email newsletter that's crammed with interviews and insights that you won't get anywhere else. This week's edition also is a big BBL preview. And our chat with the Samuelson sisters, Carly and Katie Lou, ahead of the WNBA playoffs. Really fascinating to get Carly's thoughts on playing for GB and alongside her sibling. All of that in the post-up. Now, Friday night is tip-off night in the BBL. The cup, once again, the starter on the menu this term. So let's hop around several of the teams to get a sense where the main players are. And we're better to start then with the reigning champions, a core back in Leicester from last season, including reigning MVP Gino Crandall, Captain Darius Nelson-Henry, plus, of course, Connor Washington. Riders always aiming sky high. And for head coach Rob Paternostro, the presence of that core traditionally allowing his side to hit the ground running. Yeah, it helps, especially when they're good players. You know, I think that, um, you know, first off, uh, you know, being able to sign Gino back was very important for us. You know, he's MVP of the league last year and, um, you know, was as talented as they come uh, and a great leader too out on the court. So I think that, um, you know, having him back was important. We did sign William Lee back, but, mm. you know, that was disappointing that that didn't work out. You know, that pretty much caught us off guard. 
uh, you know, because we signed him early. So when we built the team, we were building it, you know, with with William. And I thought he was one of the better players in the league as well last year. So, you know, getting Geno back was huge, but but losing William was a big blow for us. But, you know, we feel like with Connor back and, you know, Mo back and Darian back, uh, you know, we do have uh, some continuity there uh, with, with our players. And I think that um, – uh, that always helps. And obviously Zach Jackson, who played, you know, more than half of the season with us last year before he got injured is back. So yeah, uh, they know what to expect in the league and, uh, you know, they certainly know what to expect here. You've got about Lovin, Mark Lovin. How is he fitting in so far? Yeah, very well. I think with Mark, he's a guy that, you know, we've known about for a while. You know, I spoke to his representatives over the last few seasons. Um, but, you know, the timing was, was right for us now. Uh, certainly a big uh, pedigree, you know, uh, Mr. Basketball in Ohio coming out of high school and you know, having a good career at Ohio State. I think 1,200 plus points there, played a ton of minutes. You know, we really like the way he shoots the ball, his IQ for the game. And you're talking about a guy about six, eight and a half, at least with the seven, one wingspan. So he, he defensively uh, can give us some options too. So yeah, he's fit in pretty well with the team. You know, he's only been here now a couple weeks. It'll be, so I expect him to, to continue to improve as time goes on. But, um, you know, we've certainly been happy with what we've seen so far. Defending champions, lots of people that I've spoken to believe you guys are the preseason favorites as well. You can never tell anything this early on. But when you look around the league, how are you feeling about the prospects? Yeah, I think the league is tough. I think that, uh, again, like you said, I, I've always said over the years that you can't tell for a couple months, right, until everybody gets settled. And I think that's going to be the same with us. This is almost going to be like a preseason for us, especially here in the Cup, because you know we haven't had our roster spot. I couldn't tell you how good we are now, you know, not having Gino, not having Zach, you know, having Loving come in late. We're still, we're still a work in progress, but, you know, I think when you look at it from, you know, roster perspective, you feel like teams have improved, you know, on paper, teams have improved on paper. Uh, I think that um, top to bottom, there's going to be some tough outs every night. So I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see as we go through this cup competition, you know, as everybody's getting settled, um, you know, who comes out of it heading into the league uh, in, in good shape? But I, I, I do have, uh, you know, high hopes for, for the talent of the league and, and, and also high hopes for how competitive it can be from, uh, from top to bottom. A different level of ambition in Bristol, with the Flyers hoping to get planning permission by the year's end to get their own arena constructed by some time in 2024 a really impressive look if you've seen the blueprints restaurants outdoor space included but a different feel on the court this term Dana Dozy, one of several departures new faces aplenty and that a very deliberate rejuvenation Andreas Kapoulos told us yeah I mean it was a very difficult season this past year with Covid and playing with no spectators and uh, in terms of the team composition, we had some more experienced players in the roster and also some players that have been with us for a significant amount of years. And, and like every few years, we just felt it was important uh, to have a fresh look on the squad. Um, and as part of that process, um, we retained two of our players in Josh Rogers and Raph Thomas Edwards and um, 
we made a lot of changes. We're a lot younger, um, and which has its positive, but also it has other things that we would need to work through the course of the year. But we also have a lot more length, and uh, a lot had to do also with the style of play. Uh, we wanted to speed things up, uh, be more up tempo on the offensive end, but also dictate the tempo a lot more on the defensive end. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, there was a process in terms of of the type of style that we want to play from a basketball standpoint and also a refresh uh, of the squad as we're entering, you know, our eighth season in the BBL. Um, and, and, and also the overarching thing is that we're, in a couple of years' time, we're entering the new venue and, and we're looking to build a new core. Every few years with the Flyers, even when we're not in the BBL, we will build a new core of players that will be with us for three or four, maybe longer um, period. And, and I think we're kind of back in that type of um, concept, really, in terms of building the squad going into the new venue as well. How important is that to get get some momentum, possibly reach you know, reach more finals and just have that, I don't know, that more of a buzz as as that big day and that big transformation comes? No, it's very important, and and it's a, I mean, the new venue is going to be game changing, in in a lot of things. First of all, our capacity, uh, but also it will have a big impact on our budget as well. Um, so and so some of those decisions are also budget decisions, and I think for us is, we want to keep things fresh, and and in terms of building that buzz, as you say, we don't want to be successful when we go in the new venue we want to be successful and build uh, kind of uh, on-court and off-court achievements uh, while we're uh, kind of getting closer to it because we just want to generate more interest uh, you know we sell out every game otherwise or we used to sell out anyway before the whole COVID thing um, so so what we want to do is uh, keep on uh, build back that momentum for certain this year um, but, but also attract more interest and uh, we, we want to be competing for titles before we get to the new venue. And, you know, our ambition is to sell out in the new venue uh, and certainly to have domestic success and why not even being in European competition. Um, but, but we want to start doing the work now. And certainly, you know, uh, we've been able to do that over the last seven years in the BBO. But uh, now it's time to say, OK, we, we have a more definitive timeline. Hopefully by Christmas we will have even more of a clear path uh, we we want to keep on building and progressing like we've always done over the last uh, 16 17 years looking at the roster and Shane Walker is yes. the name obviously that people will know great to have a domestic capture like him um, how did that come about and what's what Shane's role going to be within this this puzzle well I, mean, I don't have to speak too much about saying I mean you know he he's won BBL titles. Uh, he's played in clubs like Leicester and London Lions and, and Plymouth. And, and he also has experience playing in, in Europe, uh, college system in the States and, and, and with the Commonwealth uh, England team as well. Um, so I think someone with his experience uh, coming in, especially with a younger uh, squad that we have, uh, is, is invaluable. Also, uh, Sane will be working within our academy program at SGS College. And, and again, it's that kind of transition where he's going to make an impact on the court as a player. However, the impact off the court working with uh, 
16 to 19 program on a daily basis. He's going to be coaching also under 18s National League, um, and and that's going to be very important as well because he he has learned so much from his pro college career, and and to to have that type of bank of knowledge in our program uh, is going to really benefit our pathway and, and certainly will benefit our BBL squad as well. New Americans. I mean, Malcolm Dilpesh comes back, but the others new. What's what's exciting about them? What you know? What are you excited about seeing from that group? Well, I mean, the all four Americans that we have, uh, Trezen, uh, Marcus, and uh, the two guys from North Texas, Mike and Zach. I mean, first of all, they all played in the same conference, Conference USA, which is a good, strong conference. Um, and uh, so there is a commonality there that links them. Uh, I mean, they're certainly young. They want to make a name for themselves. They're hungry. Um, but also they have uh, been in programs with very the type of ethos that we really like at the Flyers. North Texas has been a very successful uh, college program. Um, so Zach and Mike coming through that. Uh, they, it's a program that, you know, like it's a lot about defense, toughness. Uh, doing things the right way, and we really like that. And Trezor in F- FIU, he actually played with one of our former players, Eric Lockett, as well there. Um, and again, FIU is another program that has been building recently and had a change in the coaching staff. So the style of play is very similar a little bit to uh, VCU, where one Marcus Evans was, and um, because they, they had kind of similarities in the coaching staff. Um, so I think there's a few things that connects those guys. Uh, they're all very talented guys, all very hardworking guys. They've been in, in very good programs. And we want to bring that youth and the experience they collected at the college game uh, here in our squad. Um, but also they have to learn. And they're all aware they have to learn. Uh, they have a great growth mindset. I mean, I've had the pleasure to work with them over the last couple of weeks now, and uh, they've been picking up things very quickly, and, and certainly they will help our style of play and what we want to do on both ends of the court. And as for Malcolm, I think uh, you mentioned um, he's British-American. I mean, Malcolm knows the Flyer situation. He was here with his with his brother for a short period of time, and then he returned to Germany. Uh, so it's great to have him uh, back in the BBL. Um, and he gained a lot of valuable experience playing basketball in Germany for the last three seasons. In Pro B, his club has been very successful, and certainly his winning mentality and all the good things that he does on the court will be very useful to the squad. From the Flyers to a team that, well, pretty much nosedived last season, memory short on Glasgow were on course for that elusive first-ever championship title when COVID struck and then ended up as, well, an ailing patient at rock bottom last term. The very harshest of baptisms in the coaching trade for Gareth Murray. Just four league wins. Pretty tough going. But there's been an off-season overhaul at the Emirates Arena with Ali Fraser coming back. New imports as well. And quite the contrast in Murray's readiness compared to this time last year. Compared to managing the programme and, and everything, it's like night and day. It's <laughs> night and day. The experience of what I had last year with the, with the younger guys and the less experience and obviously dealing with everyone with COVID now everything's in place everything I've got Sean the GM I've got Michael the, the business development officer I've got all the staff around with me now that can are available almost every day so like it's, it's night and day to what we were last year Do you feel much more I mean like you said do you feel much more enthused about continuing to play 
with everything around you now rather than kind of having to deal with Yeah, I, I feel definitely. I feel like I can I can step on the court and not have to worry about coaching. I've got guys around me that are experienced and, and we can run plays and not have to me to coach during the game. I can just play play my game and be part of the team in terms of playing my role in the team when I'm on the court. Um, I'm definitely more comfortable. When you sit back with a better perspective on last season, how depressing was it? I mean, it was, it was obviously very difficult. It was very difficult. I mean, we knew where we were in terms of financially and level of players that we brought in and what expectations, but it's always difficult to lose games when you're, when you're doing so well the year before or any year losing games. Your, your um, expectations here are always high. Um, and that's something that I like. I want, I want high expectations. And I said that to the guys that we, we might be one of the lower budget teams or uh, not as deep teams, but we still have high expectations that we want to be in that top top half of the table. Do you think when, obviously you're just going to one game tonight, but do you have that vibe of you can raise the bar significantly this year? Yeah, definitely. I think we can. The the level of players we bought in. Um, once everybody's up to up to speed, and I think we can definitely be, we can definitely be up there with the top half of the table, and that's that's what I aim to be. I think I think honestly, with the you're always going to have the top. To me, London, Leicester, Newcastle are always going to be up there fighting with each other. But then four through ten is everybody's game. To me, this year, I think even more than ever, um, there's, each team's got a lot of high quality players, a lot of higher quality British players, so. Fourth or ten, you, I don't know. We could, you could finish anywhere, any team. What, did, what was the biggest thing you learned about yourself last year? Um, patience, patience, communication with the players more. Um, I felt last year I was, I was expecting more from them in, in terms of. I've had the experience. They shouldn't be know what I'm talking about, and I thought that was that was probably the biggest thing. I didn't communicate enough to these guys about what I want from them and and it, it, that was the biggest thing really wasn't it was like I was trying to tell them things and I'm expecting them to know what it's going through in my head whether it's showing them and explaining to them is a lot easier Is it tough one of the toughest Joe's being a player coach I mean did you maybe even underestimate just how tough that No I knew I knew it was tough I played for Sterling for however many years <laughs> I knew it was tough I saw him do the stuff he went through and the stuff he's doing up in the office and all the the, the late nights and preparation I, I, I didn't appreciate it as much probably back then, but now I understand completely. You, know, you put yourself in those shoes and you know how hard it is and what, what the challenges are. Um, but no, it's, I, I knew how hard it was. It's, it's difficult. It's difficult, but I, I'm enjoying it more so far because I have guys that have experience and I have to run through one th- things once or twice and these guys pick it up instantly. Gareth Murray there. No, another team that's been reconstructed is Cheshire. The Phoenix formula of quality over quantity in play once again, Terry, Teddy Akura through the highlight capture from Ben Thomas. But Prize North is someone who probably deserves more time to showcase his skills. Jules Dynakodo is the guest on next week's edition of the MVP podcast. But here's what he had to say about the aspirations of Cheshire. I mean, we have we have a lot of talent. We have a lot of talent um, in each position, you know. And like I said, we're, we're really young, but we have a lot of experience. I mean, we don't really want to jump the gun. You know, we don't want to look too far ahead. We want to take each day as it comes. But you know, we have we have big goals. You know, we can do some we can do some some big things. And uh, like I said, we have a lot of talent. You know, we have a GB a GB guard uh, in Teddy. You know, that I think is gonna 
he's going to be a big part of our team, just leading us, you know, in a, in in our goals, if I may say. But yeah, I don't want to, I don't really want to, you know, jump the gun too, like jump the gun and like look too far ahead. But I really think we can, we can do some big things this year. Jules Zangakoda there. You can hear that full interview next week. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. A really fascinating lesson from him to come. Now, also guesting in the podcast in the next few weeks is Manchester Giants head coach Lloyd Gardner commencing his first full season in charge at the club. And a bit of a revolution there. Bright British talent with Josh Steele and Will Saunders. Some experienced imports for once as well. But of course, the signature signing that's got the Giants thinking big the capture of Great Britain captain Dan Clark lured back to his homeland for the first time from Spain. So the question is, how did Lloyd pull it off? Um, well, I, th- I think luck is probably the biggest part of it. Um, obviously, I have an existing relationship with Dan since he was young, uh, having worked with his father, Mark, for a, l- a long time at, at Barking Abbey. Uh, obviously, I would see Dan a lot in summers when he was at home. He would come into Barking Abbey to work out. So we've we've always kind of been in touch. We've always, um, you know, got along really well in that sense. Uh, again, when I was involved with the national team, Dan was on the team. So we've we've had a, a long-standing relationship, uh, and I think that's probably the the biggest, you know, factor behind it more than anything. Um, it started off as just uh, you know me saying to Dan, "Oh, whenever you're ready to come back to the BBL." Um, you know, Manchester's a great place. He has family um, just outside of Manchester as well. So, yeah, the conversation started just kind of informally and just grew and grew and grew. And I think Dan, you know, he could speak for himself, I'm sure, but was looking for something that, that interested him as much as anything else. He's a big, um, you know, proponent of British basketball and wanting to make it better. So I think he sees this as his opportunity to come back to the BBL and, you know, try and raise the level of the league even more and try and push it forward and try and help, um, you know, both on the floor for a year, two years, three years, whatever that may look like. And then and then hopefully off the court as well, like pushing things forward. How does that change the level of expectation that will surround the team this year? I mean, you feel it because, you know, it's Dan Clark. It's a you know it's a level above, and you know this this won't be a Manchester team that of most Manchester teams since it was reincarnated will be expected to just be somewhere maybe around the bottom half of the table. I mean, does it? Do you raise the bar for the the the, the goals and targets? Um, I I would say well, there's two 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 points for that for me. Number one, I think our expectations were aligned with Dan's anyway that we want this club to be moving forward and we want to, you know, start to put those building blocks in place that we are seen as a team, you know, towards the upper echelons of the BBL. That's That has to be the aspirations with a city like Manchester, with a club of the history of the Giants. So I think our expectations are always to go in that direction. Uh, obviously, bringing in the experience of Dan kind of, you know, maybe pushes that forward even more. And I think, you know, the positive around the club is is a player of Dan's calibre and, and not only him like the other guys that we've brought in as well they have experience of high level basketball so you know their expectations of everything raise and you know challenge the club to continue to move forward they challenge me as a coach to be better on the floor because they have to be you know working at a level that they would expect they they you know they raise the profile of the club they also raise the expectations of what a professional club can provide and should be doing for players of their their stature 
and I think that's a fantastic thing. And I think the club has, has relished that, um, you know, with this extra level, because we know that we want to improve things, we want to move them on. And we, like I said, we want to be pushing towards the upper upper part of the BBL. When you look around the league and you see the signings, and you've, you know, you've played a very small number of pre-season games, but how do you, how do you feel you stack up? How do you feel this <laughs> league stacks up? Um, it, it's hard because we've we've done preseason, we've had some games. A lot of teams are obviously missing lots of pieces, so we haven't played a game with our Americans in yet. We played, you know, Surrey who are missing players. We've played, you know, the teams that we've looked at. Everybody seems to be sure, and I think it's a very hard thing to judge until until that comes. Um, obviously, you could look on paper and go, oh, well, I think that team's pretty good on paper. I think they've made some nice signings, but then at the same time, the, the the chemistry is massive behind that and how the coaches and the, you know, the, the whole management can put things together for those players. So um, how do we stack up? I'm, I'm pleased with what we've got. That, that's all I can say at this moment. Um, you know, my ambition, our ambition, we want to be competitive in, in everything, in every game, in every competition, in everything we want, do. We want to be competitive top to bottom with the BBL. So I think at the moment, that's all we can kind of, look at is yeah we're pleased with, with where we're at we've got to continue to push, push forward and see where that takes us i think yeah a rejuvenated manchester certainly good for british basketball another club with a makeover has been surrey scorchers missing out in the playoffs last season they have a few familiar faces there for the start of the campaign but for how long we don't know so what did head coach korean raftopoulos bid to achieve this offseason um, the key thing for me, Mark, was going to be the focus on defense. Looking at the last couple of years and the games that we won, obviously, yeah, you outscore a team to win a game, but they were very high-scoring games. Um, so we knew that if we wanted, to, if, if we want to be competitive, we need to improve our defense. So um, the three young Americans um, imports that we brought in, they all t- that box as being kind of like dogs on both ends of the floor. You know, defensively, they they, they play hard. And um, they rebound the ball really well. And so that was one of my big focuses coming into this season is kind of like, so I've been running gun, sorry, being kind of like a, a kind of like strong, dragon-minded um, defensive unit. You've got Andrew Lawrence, Rob Gilchrist, big names in the British sense of the word, but short-term deals, that's the phrase. Um, where do you see that panning out? Is it week to week? Are you hopefully keeping them for the year? What's, what's the conversations and, and the thought process at this point? Um, obviously, the, the thought process is, is the hopes are we start the season really well. And, um, you know, somebody sitting in the crowd or a potential sponsor likes the look of him and wants to come <laughs> on board. And I won't lie to you, that's, a, that's my biggest hope is that, you know, we can attract some form of sponsorship that allows us to, you know, um, keep that caliber of player. Um, but they came in, we knew we were going to have a problem with our imports arriving on time in terms of pre-season and so forth. And um, they they weren't didn't want to jump at the first European offers that they that they received because they do want to play in the BBL and be at home. Um, so we agreed to a you know a week to week deal. And um, you know all I can say, like you said, they are um, high level British guys, and um, they brought a great culture to the team. So hopefully we can take advantage of all the experience that they bring to us until that day comes that they have to move on. You got three. Americans, Stanley Davis, Saquon James, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his name right, um, yeah. and the last last minute signing of Lamar Hamrick. Um, import-wise, where do those three fit into this puzzle? 
So um, the the key part with um, getting someone like uh, Saquon Jefferson is he he's a rebounder. He, that was his reputation in college and um, played. I think it was um, uh, second division Finland, where he is close to you know a twenty twenty guy. So you know he he in the in the few little preseason games that we've played, he's shown his ability to be strong and rebound the ball, and that's what we, we I liked about him. Um, Stanley Davis Jr. Um, super athletic guy, also t- capable of picking up his uh, man 40, foot, 40 feet on the basketball court and um, runs the floor really well. So I knew that from a defensive point of view, he wouldn't be a liability. And then same thing with um, with Lamar, you know, um, reads, reads the passing lanes really well, has had some big seasons in steals. So it was all just like defensive minded and hopefully, you know, tying that up in with the likes of Teo, and Martel, and obviously Legend, um, gives us a defensive unit that that that, that can can keep us in games for for um, long periods of time. How are you viewing the league? Because you know, we've spoken, heard from some coaches and perspectives on this. You know, top three, possibly the top three. Below that, it looks like the rest of those teams are going to be very competitive. It might be you know, those those games where you can hold some of the sixty points, seventy points that are the, the difference over the course of the season. Yeah, I think it's going to, I honestly going to be a, a super tough league. You know, I think, you know, London Lions, by the t- in terms of who they've been able to recruit in terms of the British core that they've got in, um, helps them a lot because it's all British guys with BBL experience that have put up numbers. So I'd probably put them right up there and then you add the imports they've brought in. We know Leicester Riders, you know, um, the, 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 the core are all back, so... That gives him, you know, Gino amazing season last year. So he's right up there. You know, Fletcher returning to Newcastle um, with Darius and um, the culture that they have. So, like you said, I think those three are right up there. Thereafter, um, I think, you know, there'll be some fighting, a lot of fighting to try and, um, you know, get into that top five, so to speak. Um, but you've been covering this game for so long, Mark, as you know, it's a, it's a chemistry thing. You know, sometimes some teams hit the floor running, <laughs> sometimes something just doesn't work out. So I think it's going to come down to who's prepared the best and so forth, because um, yeah, I, I can't think of a, a weak team. You know, obviously, you know, Paul James is going to have his work cut out for him because um, even though it's a young British roster, you know, sometimes your imports can make a, a, a big difference. So depending upon what he finishes off his roster with, they also might be competing to, you know, be in the playoffs. And that's the scary part. Ten-team league, only two people miss out on the playoffs, so nobody wants to be those two teams. Indeed, last jeopardy with ten teams, but also the prospect of being caught out and left in the cold. The one presumed struggle this term, I guess, the reinvented Plymouth Patriots, or Plymouth City Patriots, as, as we should call them, probably compelled to, to struggle. They start the season without any imports, starting really from scratch following... The unfortunate demise of the Raiders. Now, big ass there for Coach Paul James, but at least fans in South West England with a team to support still, and we can only wish them well. Now, I'm not a superstitious type, but they do say 13 is an unlucky number. Mike Tuckbow, hoping good fortune is abundant in his 13th year in Sheffield. The Sharks shaking up their ranks with the acquisition of point guard Aaron Anderson and wing Jonathan Williams among five newcomers to Pond's Forge. Tuck, though, Still a key presence at the tender age of 38 and bullish about his big one three. It's great. You know, I, I still can't believe that I'm uh, 
heading into my third season. I can't believe I'm still playing basketball, to be honest with you. Um, but I'm, I'm lucky, I'm blessed, um, and I'm happy to be here. Um, you know, if I didn't, if I didn't want to be here, if I didn't think it was worth it, or if I didn't think I was contributing, I wouldn't be here. But um, you know, none of that is true. You know, I'm, I'm still very happy to be here. I still love playing. Um, you know, the energy, the focus, and the drive is all still there. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm just excited to head into the season with a new group of guys, um, especially when we get fans back in the gym. You know, it's been so long, and um, I feel like, you know, guys that did retire after last season, I just feel like they got shortchanged. Um, so for me, it's great to get back uh, with fans in, in the arena and, you know, around the world, things are slowly getting back to normality. And, um, you know, us heading back into the season is normality for me. So I'm glad to be heading in that direction. You've got the experienced core coming back, but the new guys you've added are pretty experienced as well. I mean, is that a plus when you're starting off a season and trying to bring in you know, a new group together? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just one of those things that helps you hit the, hit the ground running. You know, uh, obviously, if you've got a group of guys that have been together for a few seasons, um, that always helps. And we've seen that on many BBL teams and many Sharks teams over the years um, and throughout the BBL. Um, but when you bring in new guys that have experience and they're level headed and, and they know what it takes to win in different countries overseas and Europe, um, it just it takes you from strength to strength. And I, I think. You know, uh, bring in Aaron Anderson at the point guard position uh, and him have playing at a high level um, to a successful level in many different places. And then you've got, you know, Jonathan Williams, another guy who's, you know, played at a high level around Europe and, and he can just flat out play. He's a scorer. Uh, and then we got, you know, Joe, Joe Jr., who's, you know, had a few stints in the BBL. He played in Spain last season. Extremely wiry British player who's got the ability to knock down the shot. He's got the ability to drive. He's really athletic. He can defend. So I think all these like little pieces, new pieces that um, we're bringing in are just, are just going to help us. And, you know, so far in preseason, all the pieces have been fitting together quite nicely. You're also the marketing guy of the Sharks. Fans are back. Great to see it. How does that change the way that you guys are pitching this year? Well, I mean, the, 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 the biggest the biggest thing is making fans feel feel comfortable um, coming back into the arena and um, we're, we're putting out some posts letting them know that we're following protocols and that um, you know there's, there's you know there's going to be groups there's going to be a group of very any of that stuff they just want to get back you know they want to see basketball but then you're going to have the other side that are, are still a little tentative about getting out there are, are still worried so we just want to make sure our fans, no matter who they are, they're feeling comfortable coming back into the gym. Um, and, you know, for us, be sitting out for so long and, and not having anybody in there um, from, from you know, a business side, it's great because obviously you have these fans, you have that energy, you know, we're, you know we're, the merch will start selling again. We're getting revenue from ticket sales. Um, and then from a player's side, you know, there's nothing better than, than the roar of that crowd. Um, so... I, you know, I'm excited for it on all fronts. I, hell, I'm even excited for the away games. You know, like I feed <laughs> off the negative energy off all these arenas I go to. So I'm, I'm excited for, for just the BBL in general as a league, you know, starting to get back to normal here, getting fans back in the gym. You'll be back on Sky in well, a few weeks' time. 
the uh, same t- same crew back together again, which is great to see. Um, look around the league. Put your pundits hat on. How are you assessing this this championship this year? And you know who who might come out on top, who might struggle, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, obviously, it's still very early doors. There's not many games that we can go off to see. Um, obviously, London Lions, uh, biggest budget in the league. Um, they've put they put to get their their team together quite early. You know, having their their whole roster there in August, and they've already played, you know, a handful of games in in Europe and different in different competitions. So, London Lions are always going to be you know at the, at the top of the bill. Um, we had a good look at uh, the Leicester Riders last weekend. Obviously, they're missing um, Jackson and Crandall. Um, but those two guys have arrived now, so I think that they will they will be a much uh, stronger and put more put together team with adding those two uh, import players. Um, and then you know the Newcastle Eagles, you know the, the, they're always a, a strong team. You know they've made some some really good signings from from around the league. You know poaching a few guys from different teams. So um, those those are, those three teams are, are definitely going to be you know teams that 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 are you know ones that we're going to watch out for. Um, we're, we're extremely excited to play this Cheshire Phoenix team to, to see what they look like. Obviously, they won their uh, little tournament that they had uh, in the preseason. Um, so we're excited to, to see what they have. Obviously, um, Teddy Okafer over there and, and some, some other new faces, like pretty much a, a whole new look team there. So, um, I, you know, what? I'm excited to see every team. I think every team has made some has made some big changes. Um but you never know till you, till you get in that gym with them, and um, you know, like I said, just just excited to get get, get back in the flow of things. And, and what better way to start it off than a doubleheader weekend for us this weekend? Yeah, Tebow Lions, like Rob Partners, are beginning his 14th season at the helm. They're quite the run. So one team left on our quickfire trip around the BBL and the club that finished last season on a high. Newcastle adding the playoff title to the cup they won in January. Three trophies in two seasons. For Ian McLeod, those old stagers, Ramon Fletcher and Darius Defoe, back on Tyneside. No seismic shock there. Corey Johnson making the move up from Leicester. Wesley Person Jr. providing, well, an illustrious name with, with NBA history as an addition to the ranks. Now, Eagles, always fun to watch. So how did McLeod go about upgrading what was already a pretty accomplished core? Um, I think this year we got a little bit more depth, um, in particular in the ball handling department. Um um, and I, I think last year we, we did have everything we need. I think we just, some guys were in different places. I think COVID changed a lot, you know, guys came in in different, um, in different states of readiness. Um, and I think this year, uh, we've got, we've got a very professional team. We've got, not that we didn't last year, just, um, more depth to that professionalism, um, which is going to be great for us. Bringing in Corey Johnson, you know, experience of winning a league, you know, from Leicester, and in that backcourt alongside Ramon, is it useful to have someone who knows the BBL? Um, I think it's useful to have someone who knows the BBL, but it's even more useful to have someone who's won, um, because the expectations in Newcastle are not that you're good; it's that you're great and that you're winning. Um, 
And I think what we've got this year, we've got multiple guys who have actually won. I mean, even you know, Daniel Johnson Thompson, you know, he's a young fella, but he won. He's won a trophy in the BBL. You know, Corey has been in a winning team in the BBL. Um, Terrell, well, you know, they didn't get they, they didn't get a trophy at the end of it. They played well. They were they were competing for a trophy when he was here in the BBL. So it's important that we have that mentality there. Um, it's not just experience of the league; it's experience of winning in the league, which is big. I mean, it's it's going to be a slow start because you know around the league because certain teams have had Americans coming in late. You're amongst them as well. How do you use the BBL Cup? I mean, is it is it an ideal chance to try things out for a few weeks, almost like an extended preseason, and then you know, you're expecting you you survive through to the knockout stages, and then the league starts. But is is it a sort of a useful rolling start? Uh, not really, to be honest. It's about winning immediately. Um, <laughs> And yes, okay, we everyone goes through a growth process, um, but we're certainly not taking it lightly and looking at it as anything other than than, than, the, than the the legitimate start to the season. I know there were some teams in previous years who just kind of got through the cup, and oh, will we bring in another guy? Will we not? Well, no, um, we know what we are, and we start from tomorrow. However, however, whatever level of preparedness we're at. Um, it is the start, um, so we'll certainly be taking it in all seriousness and, and the usual goal: try and win it. With two trophies last season, a great year. But do you measure yourself by how close you are to that top spot, or else being in top spot in that league come next April? I think last last year was it was quite obvious that we were a big a big game team. Um, we responded to the challenges of big games, and we won. You know, we won two trophies, like you say. Um, and the, I alluded to earlier the fact that I think we've got a little bit more depth this year, and I think more depth will aid more consistency. So for sure, um, you know, we want to be we want to be challenging to win the league as well. Um, but you know, we don't really set goals because why would you not want to win everything? It doesn't make any sense to say anything other than that. But for sure, we want to be a more consistent team over the year. That's that's definitely something that I had in mind when I recruited. Last thing, you're shaking up the bench this year. A really good pair of assistant coaches and, and familiar names to many of us. Um, how did those they all come about? Well, for the last two years, I've been coaching our EABL team as well, and that's a, it, it's more than just a team; it's a whole program. Um, and while I was assistant, I, I you know I, I coached that too. Um, and it just got to it's just, it's just far too much. I wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for COVID. I stepped in and I said I would do it to help out the club, really. Um, but it, it's it was a bit ridiculous at this level not to have a full time assistant at least one. Um, Mark Eldigan was great last year, but he has his own program to run. He could only make one one you know once a week type of thing. So we recruited you know for Gary to come uh, sorry for Jack to come in as our lead assistant um, and also be head coach of our EABL program and. Gary's in the area anyway, um, so we spoke with him about um, coming to, you know, give us his experience as well. And I think in, in very different ways, they're both going to be very useful. So there you have it. Ten teams, four trophies up for grabs, eight months ahead, and it all begins on Friday evening. Hope as ever, springing eternal at the beginning of a new season. Keep up to date all year long at MVP 24-7. But that's it for this edition. Really nice to be back. Don't forget to sign up for our email newsletter, The Post Up, at the website. And I should say, the podcast, looking for a new sponsor. If you think we can help, 
please do reach out to me. If you want to get in touch, find me on Twitter at MarkBritBull. Another edition of the MVP cast coming very, very soon. But thank you so much for tuning in. From me, Mark Woods, it's bye for now. <laughs>